Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hi, everybody. Jim Taddy here. Leafs guy. Welcome to episode one. And the way Leafs guy is going to track this year is every Tuesday and Friday, new episodes of Leafs guy will be posted. So here in episode one, we have the Leaf roster trimmed to 26 today. 15 forwards, eight defense and three goaltenders. They can carry as many as 29 to get on the taxi squad, which can be as many as six. You have to clear waivers. So uh, the way it stands now, uh, 15 forwards, eight defense, three goalies, as I said, 26 players. Uh, let's go through that. Uh, and so the forward line, as we have them right now, Matthew centering Marner and Thornton. Uh, we've got uh, Tavares centering Nylander and VC. Kerfoot centering Mikheyev and Hyman. Uh, Barabanov on the left side of Spetsup and Simmons. And the fourth line has a mix of Robertson, Boyd, or actually it's the fifth line, Robertson, Boyd, and Adam Brooks. And so those are... The extra players, the Robertson, Brooks, and Boyd line. On the blue line, eight defensemen, Riley, Brody's the number one pairing, Muzzin and Hall, then Dermott and Bogosian, then Lettinen and Sandine. So that's a bit of a shift from the weekend and the uh, the blue and white game. Uh, the shift is, is that Dermott goes up into the third pairing and Lettinen drops down to the extra pairing. And if you remember Sheldon Keefe, the head coach of the Leafs, statements after the game, uh, the blue-white game on Saturday, which, by the way, was telecast coast-to-coast coast on two sports networks in Canada. He said that you could see Lettinen adjust to the speed of the game as the game went on. So maybe they feel he's not quite ready yet, uh, but but he's got tons of upside. Certainly knows what to do offensively. There's no question about that. And uh, coming over from uh, the KHL, uh, maybe has to learn the speed of the game and the angles. Always tough for a defenseman uh, in the, you know, adjusting to the North American game, learning the angles and, and and the rink dimensions and just feeling comfortable in that little space that that you have to work with. So I wouldn't count letting it out of anything. I wouldn't read too much into that. But it speaks to the depth that the Leafs have in the blue line. And I, I, I've said this before, that you know when you look at that Leafs blue line and you go back to where we were last year with this team, based on the salary cap, I think most people 
assumed that the bottom part of the Leafs blue line would be young defensemen, much like Travis Dermott, with all kinds of potential. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but this, you know, because they're on rookie contracts, uh, these guys would be sort of a financial flex for the salary cap. And what they've done here is they've plugged the right side right up. You go Brody Hall, Bogosian, and then Sandine is the spare on the right side. And so that, that right side is very solid. And they've added veteran presence. Uh, you know, again, it's all on the right side but it solidifies the blue line. Uh, this team, to me, in the past may have been the forwards had advanced and, and were almost a, a bit ahead of the blue line uh, in terms of uh, what was going to happen uh, to, to have this team go forward. Uh, so uh, now they just seem to be in sync. It's what I'm trying. I'm searching for, here for the right words, but they just seem to be in sync um, as to you know how this thing can move forward. And, and I really like the, the selection of players and, and the roles they've been uh, assigned here. Uh, you go back to, you know, why you bring in certain individuals uh, in the offseason. You bring in Thorpe Knott, and it's nothing to, to explain there. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, will end up in the Hall of Fame and, of course, has to uh, play with Matthews and Marner. I said, has to. <laughs> He's going to love that. There's great chemistry there. VC uh, with Tavares and Nylander added on the left side, and he's already said he understands his role, and it's not necessarily to score goals. So I think if you were assessing the Leafs in the past, you would have said, can we have two more Zach Hyman's, please? Zach Hyman now on the third line with Kerfoot and Mikheyev. And, and that's a statement in itself because Zach always played up. And the fact that you can now have him on the third line, he still has the ability to move up, but you're not starting him there. And the hope is that VC and Thornton add not exactly Zach Hyman qualities on the left side and both on the left side of those top two lines, but they have specific roles uh, really tailored to the line and the players on the line. To, so that all the responsibilities are looked after. And and I like that. I think in the past, you may have had a criticism of the Leafs is, is that they almost had too much skill. And so you need some worker bees in there. And and BC and Thornton, certainly at this stage of his career, certainly add to that. And of course, let's not forget Simmons on the fourth line with Spezza and Barabanov. Uh, you know, Simmons is, is a known commodity and a known agitator and will show up on the special teams as well. And, and you know, that's one of the questions about the Leafs uh, with the special teams is, you know, do you get enough practice time? Uh, obviously, there's four games in the first six nights, and everybody has that issue, uh, but you'd like to have some practice time to work on the special teams and, and get that down. And when you look at who the Leafs have in these special teams, I think if the power play was consistently where it should be, uh, this this team would have a different result. The, the power play uh, seems somewhat stagnant and, I guess, predictable, and, and it had its moments, but you wanted more. Uh, so here are the, the the special teams lineups at practice today. Riley and Simmons, Marner, Thornton, and Matthews. The other pairing was uh, Broden, uh, Brody, sorry, Brody and Hyman, Nylander, Tavares, and Spezza. And on the penalty kill, Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Muzzenhall, and the other, the second unit on the PK was Kerfoot, Mikheyev, uh, sorry, VC, Barabanov, Dermot, and Bogosian. So there's a lot of names there to sort out, but but there's a, a nice look there. Uh, and and so there's there's uh, more depth that way on the Leafs with the special teams. Uh, the other question would be the shootout. Uh, you know, the shootout was uh, on the blue and white game on Saturday between periods, but go back to the division setup. 10 games against Winnipeg, 10 games against Montreal, and you just can't afford to consistently lose those shootouts because that's a that's a bonus point. So I don't know exactly how that's going to track. Everybody has that problem, uh, but we'll see how the Leafs work through it. I just think that, you know, when you look at their roster, there's great expectation here, as there always seems to be. But, you know, when you go into an offseason and there's been failure, 
you're not going to trade the core players, but what you're going to try to do to the best of your ability is to bring in players that will add to the support players, to the, the core players and, and make them uh, better than, than they were in the past, not necessarily in terms of point totals, but in, in terms of effectiveness, in terms of uh, winning. I like the blue line. You know, I like the forwards, the goaltenders, Anderson, Campbell, and, and Delb. Obviously, there's NHL experience there. Freddie Anderson's a, a big question mark, not in his ability, but what he will deliver. And, and that uh, is sort of two-pronged uh, in the final year of a contract. So that's going to follow him around. You know, when will they re-sign and will they re-sign and what will the offer be and, and how do they stabilize that? But more importantly, because of all these games, you know, how many games will he play? That will always seem to be a, a bit of a mystery in Toronto was tracking the games that Freddie Anderson would play. And, and you know, is he tired? Or does he have enough left for the playoffs? There's all kinds of questions there. So we'll see how that plays out. And with Campbell and Dell behind him, if they intend to go with just three on the, on the taxi squad, some teams may go as high as four. And the reason, of course, for the taxi squad is the is COVID, the infection. And, and, and if that hits and you're minus all of a sudden overnight six players, uh, you'll have six players to fill in and fulfill the schedule. You know, the NHL, different from the NBA, the NBA just did the first half and is going to deal with the second half once they get there. Uh, the NHL has the full regular season all locked in. So there seems to be little uh, wiggle room that way, but we'll see how all that plays out. So I had questions about the Leafs going into the season, uh, and specifically with Thornton and Simmons and maybe Bogosian on the blue line. How many games will the veterans that were added be able to play because of the schedule, will there be a minutes count on these guys? Will they be playing every night? Uh, you know, what what will injury force have happened? We don't know any of that. Of course, that, that's totally unknown. But I think there are legitimate question marks going into the season. Uh, the other question mark we just dealt with was the special teams, the power play, and and the penalty kill and, and how that works. The shootout, obviously, a, a big issue. And, and Freddie Anderson. So it's uh, kind of interesting that way that uh, you would have all these question marks. And yet the expectations are pretty high for this hockey team. So uh, coming up very shortly, Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun will stop by. He's a daily beat reporter uh, for the Sun for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we'll get his view on things. Uh, there were a number of players that were uh, released or sent to the Marlies is the right way to say it by the Leafs today. Kenny Agel, Joe Anderson, Justin Brazo, uh, Rourke Chartier, uh, Pierre Engvall, Tyler Gaudet, Mark Hallowell, Michael Hutchinson, Timo Kilhalme, Timothy Lilligren, Martin Marinson, Nick Patan, Callie Rosen, and Scott Saber, and all Marley's bound. And the Leafs are, you know, have the, the bonus of the Marley's uh, facility is, is literally a short cab ride or even a walk away from their home base. Uh, and so they would actually use the same practice facility. So uh, easy to get players in and out. They just have to go through the waiver process to get them down and to be added to that taxi squad. So uh, a lot of things to look at that way. You know, I was just looking down at my roster and, See Nick Robertson's name on the fifth line with Boyd and Brooks. And I don't know exactly where, you know, Robertson's going to track this year. He's got oodles of potential. High-end player eventually would be targeted as a top six forward. Um, but, you know, has to obviously earn his stripes in the third and fourth line on the way up. And right now he's on the fifth line. Uh, going back to that just amazing shot goal in, in the blue and white game. I mean, he's got all the skill in the world. And it, it's great to see that you could have a guy like that on the sort of the, the lower part of the roster while well, you've added Thornton, VC and Simmons, because in the past, you know, they might've forced a younger forward to move up. Then this particular case, as the line goes, you can let them marinate and learn and eventually assume a bigger role on the team. So there's plenty of potential there. I, I think a lot of people are excited to see what, what Simmons will do 
on this team, and he's obviously part of the special teams down the middle, Kerfoot back, so that's good to see. It's just uh, there's there's a lot of potential there, but, you know, potential doesn't win hockey games. It's how you stack up, and, and you know, again, with uh, all these games in the same division, there's going to be a lot of very honest hockey. Well, that's what I'm saying. Let's bring in Terry Koshan now from the Toronto Sun. Okay, Terry, so the roster slimmed to 26 players today. Is there anything in there that, that surprised you? Uh, not really, Jim. I mean, I, I guess a bit in, with, with Pierre Engvall on the outside looking in, and only because I know that, you know, after the blue and white game on Saturday, Sheldon Keith uh, was fairly critical of Engvall. Uh, but, um, you know, here Engvall had a chance to kind of do something in that spot and was given that opportunity and just kind of fell right off for them. So uh, I, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily a surprise. I think we'll see Engvall before this is all over, of course. And uh, really today, what came out of practice, the one bit of a surprise for me was uh, Dermot coming back in for Miko Lettinen because Lettinen, I thought, played well on Saturday night and there hadn't been anything leading up to Saturday or coming out of Saturday that would have led you to believe that this change was imminent. But uh, here we are, and it's not like you're putting in a green guy. Travis Dermott knows what he can do. He's capable, and, um, you know, it speaks to the depth that Sheldon Keith can make these uh, types of moves now. So let me flip that around a bit on you. The fact that Travis Dermott was on the outside looking in, going mm-hmm. to the white game, that was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, I think in the bigger picture for me um, – what do they always say about camp? You want to have guys come in and earn their spots. Okay. Well, all of the newcomers were all, all got pretty plumb positions right off the top, whether you're Joe Thornton or Wayne, and I'm not saying they had to earn those, but they, they were put in spots that a lot of us weren't necessarily expecting. You know, Joe Thornton was a good example. TJ Brody, we knew he was going to play with Morgan Riley, but you had Miko Lettinen in the top six right away. You had Ducks, Alex Barabanoff, the top 12 right away or in the fourth line. So, um, Zach Hyman moved down to the third line, which I think was a surprise for everybody. But, uh, you know, um, Dermot, uh, it's an interesting case here. He signed his qualifying offer, as you know, in the off season. And, you know, there's always the talk of what becomes with him once Seattle starts picking in the expansion roster. And, uh, it's a very intriguing season for, for Travis Dermot, but, I think it was more to give uh, Let- Letton in a look, and uh, clearly they weren't 100% satisfied that Miko Letton could do the job for them starting, and, and and Dermot is where he should be, Jim. Dermot should be in that top six, and, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of hockey to be played and everything, and guys are moving in and out, but if I'm Zach Bogosian, I'm probably not overly comfortable right now with my spot in the top six. Well, yeah, there's going to be a lot of change here. I mean, you know, we haven't talked about, and we'll get to this at some point with the other guys, but, I mean, the schedule is so compressed that is, you know, with all due respect to Bogosian and, and all the other veterans, yep. uh, do they play four nights in seven nights? Do they do that? Or, and what's their minute count? I mean, that's a bit of an issue for not only for the Leafs, but for everybody. Yeah, it is. And we're going to find out right away. Montreal is here Wednesday. Leafs are at Ottawa, um, you know, Friday, Saturday. Then who do you get the Jets in here Monday? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, so it, it's it, and then you know the Oilers twice in, in three nights. So it's uh, there's going to be a lot of moving around, and you know I'm curious about the Thornton with Matthews and Marner because I, I think there's potential for it. Um, I still am not 100 percent convinced to what degree he will the, the speedish will you know how influence him, but you know Keith already saying well we're going to manage Joe Thornton's minutes. Uh, a little more specifically, are we talking game to game? Is he sitting out, say, 
Friday or Saturday this weekend because so he doesn't have to play three and four. Is that how you manage the minutes? Um, you know, if, if, if it's in-game, who, who then moves up to play with those two? Is it Zach Hyman? So there are a lot of questions here, I think, that still need to be answered that really we won't know until games start. And you're right. When, you, when we start seeing the games coming one after the other, after the other, after the other, like they're going to, who's going to be able to keep up that pace? I think that's going to be a big question for some of these leagues for sure. Well, certainly the older part of the roster, yeah. uh, you go through the names, but it also applies to the goaltending, which, yeah. you know, it's always a concern with the Leafs. And, and Freddie Anderson are notoriously slow starters, I detailed earlier. But, you know, the fact of the matter is it's January now, and, and maybe it was an October thing. This is all, like, you, you can't really go to the, the previous reference points because this is sort of different, isn't it? You can, you're right. You can, you can to a degree in that, you know, I don't know if there should, should still be concerned about that, but no matter what time of the year, you'd like to think that he, there are, there isn't a replication of his slow starts. And, you know, we have seen it. And, and does that get, uh, you know, influenced by the fact that you're going to be playing so much hockey now in such a short period of time? Now, the one thing is, Jim, that you well know that the Leafs have now in Jack Campbell as a backup, they haven't, they haven't had that caliber since Curtis, Curtis McElhenney. So it's, it's, it's good for a couple things. You know, it's a, you don't have the hesitation to go to him as often as you're going to in a compacted schedule and, you know, whether Freddie Anderson's playing or not. And you know, that once you do, you're not going to be watching it through your, you know, your, your hand over your eyes, peeking out and seeing is everything okay. Like you might've with Michael Hutchinson a few times in, in the past uh, couple of years. So I think there's confidence there. There's confidence in Aaron Dell as well. They keep Aaron Dell. So they don't have to try putting him through waivers and, and potentially lose him. So, the depth behind Fred Anderson, the short way of saying it, is uh, much more greater than it has been for the past couple of seasons. Well, I'm going to take what you said there and apply it to the rest of the roster. I, I find that, that as I look at the roster, whether it be the uh, the forwards or the blue line, there's that kind of reassurance in terms of numbers. Last year, it just seemed that things had to work out, and if they didn't, it was going to be a problem. And this year, there just seems to be much more depth of, of all kinds, isn't there? Well, yeah, and the start of the blue line. So going into Saturday, your fourth pair was Sandine and Dermott. I would argue that 20 to 25 teams in the league would happily take that tandem as their third pair yeah. and have them in the opening night lineup, hands down, no questions asked. So now it's Sandine and Letton, and, and, and you know, I think the least feel that they can plug in either of those two at any given time, and you're not going to notice a blip from that third pair. Ditto for up front. Adam Brooks has come a long way. He's capable of that now. Travis Boyd is a veteran. You know, hasn't played a ton in the NHL, but he does have that pedigree to him that you can put him in. I thought he looked good Saturday night as well. And, of course, Nick Robertson. Uh, the kid came in and made the camp last year and played four of the five qualifying round games against Columbus. These aren't, you know, these aren't the Martin Marincins and uh, Igor Korshkovs and these types. These are guys, I think, that are going to be a little more reliable for you. And I, I like the way that uh, uh, Kyle Dubas is built in. Conversely, Jim, if you decide that Robertson is your guy and Barabanov is not, or or maybe it doesn't work out quite three and four uh, games, uh, games, uh, you know, in a, in a pack with uh, with Wayne Simmons and, and how that's going to work, that he can come out. You can insert guys in now, and and I don't think that, that uh, Sheldon Keefe will notice a drop-off at all when he starts to do these sorts of things, and will have to do these sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, you, you can see, like, when you have the sort of the roster in front of you, you can see the way it's going to start, and you can see the moves uh, up, 
you know, on the right side, the center or on the left side, yeah. depending on, on injury or fatigue or, or however they play that. Uh, they're going with 26 as we speak right now. They can go to 29. Uh, the you know, people have to clear waivers to be to be added to that. Do you think they'll hit 29? I don't think so. No, not with the financial considerations and everything. I think that, you know, I think they'll try to run a tight ship here, but, you know, we'll have to see. And, you know, again, it's taking into consideration, you know, playing every other night more or less. So, but I, I think that well, the way that I would think that Sheldon Keith wants to do it too is to, is to have some tightness to the group uh, and not just the way they're playing, but also numbers wise as well. Okay. Here's another issue. I've talked about this earlier. Uh, the Leafs, uh, you could almost, and it's, it's, it's not a knock, but they have a, in terms of, of how they present themselves, it's sort of one dimensional in that they want to win a certain way. Mm-hmm. Plan B, I'm sure it's there. It doesn't seem evident at times when, when the other team like Columbus did in that preliminary round, don't let them do what they're capable of doing. I know they were searching for it against Columbus and found it at times, yeah. but, but a team like the Leafs, it's almost obligatory that they find that that plan B or, or you know, okay, you're not going to let us do this, then we're going to do this, yeah. and we're going to succeed. Do you feel that they that they have the people to do that this time? Well, we'll see. I mean, if you're, if you're going to break it down even further and say are they, quote-unquote, tougher to play against up front, well, not if Wayne Simmons is just getting, uh, you know, fourth-line minutes. I mean, if that's why you brought him in to increase that element for you. Um now the way things are constructed, Jim, you know, I think there's more of a uh, an in-your-face uh, potential grinding style, if you will, on that third line with Kerfoot and, and McKayev and Hyman. Having said that, I'm not overly sold on Kerfoot at center. Still, I think a lot of people aren't. So that's that's going to be a question mark. It's going to have to iron itself out. And keeping in mind, you know, I, as much as the potential uh, Sheldon Keefe sees for in that line, um, you know, I, I'm. Still wrapping my head around the idea that Hyman's not in the top six. And I know that some people think that he doesn't belong there, but I just think that, you know, it's kind of interesting. I think, you know, it was today perhaps or in the past couple of days they've been talking about what they want to see Jimmy VC bring to that line with Tavares and Nylander. Yeah. Well, it fit the Hyman description to a T. Right. And Jimmy Feesey's a guy who has never had more than 35 points in a season in the National Hockey League. Last year at 20 in a bad year and a bad Buffalo team. So, I'm curious to see that how that works out. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing, I guess, you know, with, with a guy like Hyman, you're all, you always know what you're going to get, and you know that you can put him in that top six at any given time. He's going to excel. But, yeah, there's going to have to be, um, you know, if, 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 if like you're kind of getting at it, if the initial thrust of what you want to do doesn't work, and, and as we saw, it, it didn't work completely against Columbus because they didn't win the series you have to have something to fall back on. And perhaps that's what he's got, uh, Keith does, with with moving Hyman around a bit. And, uh, you know, I think the potential for that fourth line. And one guy I think that we should not forget about is Robertson. I've mentioned him. Right. Um, he's going to be a factor in this at some point. And uh, I'm just not sure how, but I think he will be. Well, you know, right now the bottom part of the roster, but he, he projects uh, eventually as top six. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, he does. I mean, he's he's got the skill and the determination. Like every other nineteen-year-old, you have to learn. Every, you have to learn some things about the game and uh, become adept with them without the puck. Uh, but he's a smart hockey player, and it leads me to believe that he will uh, uh, get a handle on those things and be an impact on that top six before too long. I mean, it has been frustrating, uh, and and the Columbus series really backed it up. Where you know you could be out shooting somebody by a wide margin, two to one, mm-hmm. a one nothing game. 
and at the end of the second period you could feel the sag and, and that's the exact moment that you should actually be playing harder more of what you're doing because yeah. it's, it is working it's just not on the scoreboard and, and that's that's a tough lesson for this team isn't it well it is and you know what jim it's exactly what sheldon keith talked about back in uh you know august or october or whenever it must have been august when they lost is that that greater i don't want to say word effort but resolve whatever it is has to come from the core group now the young kids and who aren't young anymore i mean you know you're getting into your mid-20s now with mitch martyr and austin matthews they're deep into these contracts or are going to be and you know uh when you've been in the nhl three four years uh, you can assume by that point anybody can that there will be some lessons learned and now you have to apply them and i think you've hit the nail on the head that group has to take these things and 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 know that if for example it isn't working for you at the end of 40 um that mental sag, physical sag can't come now. There's no excuse for it. In fact, let's hope you've learned enough now that you're not in a position, say, after 40 minutes where you, you where you could potentially meet that sort of sag, that you have learned from these things, so you kind of beat that before you get to it. But it will happen on some nights, there's no doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to think, though, that these guys have been through enough of these uh, failures and, 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 and pains, if you will, uh, that they've learned from them, they'll be able to apply them now in a, um, you know, in a variant, what, what I think is going to be an intense regular season. It might not be to start. I think it's going to be some sloppy hockey to start. Yeah. Once this thing gets rolling, you're seeing the same teams all the time. You're going to have to turn. That, that's going to come naturally turning up a notch, but how you then make that work for you is also going to have to come from within. So we're spending a lot of time up front, and, and I think we should. So uh-huh. I mean, it's pretty clear that Matthews and Marner, or it could be Matthews and Nylander, but I mean, it's, it's center and right side on the top two lines. Right now, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, and right. clearly the job description, the real specific job description is on the left side. VC that was quoted today as saying that he knows what his job is and it's not necessarily to get points. Mm-hmm. So somehow he's going to have to discre- discover the, the Hyman tonic and, and, and somehow do that. And Joe Thornton's role, don't know exactly what it is, but, but he knows what it is. And it's very specific to make sure that those two guys display their offense and he looks after pretty well everything else. I don't know if there's physical bite there, but but there is physical respect when when Jumbo is on the ice. Yeah. So I mean even if even if it doesn't work in that configuration, the void on the left side is pretty clear, isn't it? It is. And you know, I I I, I think though this is where we get back to the depth uh uh issue and the good depth issue and 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 Keith probably having although we haven't seen much of Mikheyev since the end of last December, which seems really hard to believe. Um, but there is, you know, the, the potential for him to move back into there. And it's almost like, okay, we know, we know what we have with Hyman. If, if he's in one of those spots, we know we have a pretty good idea with McKeev if he's in one of those two spots that you're speaking of, let's see how these other guy two the other two guys work there. And if, if it doesn't work to our satisfaction, then we know that we can move one of those other two people we just talked about into those spots. And, and things are probably going to be a flow a little, a little more normal normally and with more production. Uh, I would like to think Jimmy Feasy is going to get some points, Jim, playing with Jim, John Tavares and William Nylander. I mean, whether he thinks that's his responsibility or not, you would think that some of those will come uh, naturally. I mean, Tavares has a lot left in him and, and uh, I would argue he a lot of wingers look good on the left side. So, Clearly, they see some potential there in VC because, again, I don't necessarily think many of us had him penciled in that spot uh, uh, going into camp. But uh, here's his opportunity. Uh, he had a great college career for a reason. He hasn't discovered that in the NHL, and this will probably be his best chance to do it. So 
again, um, if they don't work, they have the luxury of falling back to these other options that they do that they do know uh, work. Yeah, it's funny what you can look at when you when you have the grid right in front of you as they do. Yeah, I mean, you know, the left side is so. If I'm playing against the Leafs, the left side is something I, I try to, to take a run at. It used to be the right side of the blue line, but I don't I don't know that that's an issue anymore. I think they've done a really nice job on that right side. Yeah, and bolstered it nicely. And and the hope is that T.J. Brody is the guy for Morgan Riley uh, down the middle. It's it's a similar problem that that's been there before. Uh, with the departure of Kadri, Kerfoot, uh, I'm not I'm not sold on. He's a good hockey player, but I don't know if that's the spot for him. And with all due respect to, to Spezza, I mean, I think there's a minutes count there. He's a great veteran, but I, I don't know I, I don't know how much time. And we spent an inordinate amount of time in the last three years talking about who's dressing on the fourth line. They got to get away from that. They do. They have. There has to be some uh, some uh, you know some cementing of those three spots, but I don't know if we're going to see it. I don't know if this was a, if this was a normal 82 game season starting October 3rd or 4th, where the games are spaced out properly. The trips aren't what they are. The travel isn't what it isn't. Uh, you would probably see uh, something um, a little more solidified there. And I don't know that we're going to see it in this 56 game season, Jim. I really don't. And I guess it's my way of saying we're not going to uh, because you know, um, you're not going to keep Nick Robertson out. Um, Travis Boyd, I think, is going to have something to say as a workman-like uh, uh, skater on that fourth line. And then, you know, you, you talk about the middle and Kerfoot on the third line and, and what are you going to get out of Spezza? And, and then you go to Adam Brooks, who's unproven. So that there's potential for some interesting questions there. Again, that's today. For all we know, Joe Thornton's the center on that third line in two weeks, and that's where he stays for the rest of the year, like a lot of us thought he was going to. So, um, yeah, in a perfect world, you want you know when you put that fourth line over the boards who they are, who all three of them are, exactly what you're getting out of each. And, uh, you know, the, the best fourth line for me is the one that can keep the other team hemmed in their zone, whether they're scoring or not, uh, you know, wear down that third pair of defense on the other side and this sort of thing and, and, and go from there. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think we're going to see that right now. I just think there's, there are too many balls in the air for Keith, a player wise, depth wise, and B the fact he's going to, you know, the schedule is going to force him to use different people in those spots uh, more usually than he'd like to have. Okay. A couple more points before we let you go. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Sheldon Keith and, and how much pressure or, or scrutiny or concern is there? I mean, to me, uh, I, I think he's a, a really good coach, but but he has to take the next step too, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and it's going to be his biggest the, the biggest evaluation point for me this year, Jim. Will, how he adjusts uh, well, game to game, I would say, just because you're going to like again all these two three game sets against teams are like mini playoff rounds, so it'll give these coaches a hell of an opportunity to adjust on the fly, and if they have the capability of doing that. That team likely is going to be, you know, the better it is going to have the better chance to win every night. Now, the question for Keith is, he has won in, in in Junior A, he's won in the AHL, of course. National Hockey League's a different kettle of fish, and he doesn't exactly have a bunch of greenhorns coaching against him in the North Division. There's going to be a lot of competition here from behind the bench uh, in each club. You know, DJ Smith down the road in Ottawa doesn't have the experience either in that position, but. The other five clubs, there are people there that have been doing it for a while, and uh, they have the respect to class the league. So that'll be a challenge for Keith, but I do like the moves the Leafs made in bringing in Paul McLean and Manny Mel Otra in the offseason to help him. Um, 
but uh, yeah, you know, certainly the pressure is there. The pressure is is there, and the pressure is there on him to ensure that the players that one of his good friends in hockey brought in, his best friend in hockey, I would argue, Kyle Dubas, uh, work. So, but Sheldon Keefe is a confident man, and he should be. He, um, you know, he's been through the ringer, uh, like I say, in a lot of levels of hockey. Uh, so he's not green that way. But um, I'm curious to see how things go adjustment wise. Uh, game in series in once uh, once things get going here Wednesday. Okay, so a couple of small points here. Uh, sure. You know, you're, you're playing in the same division. You're yeah. you're playing teams ten times, most of them nine, but a couple ten. Uh, no practice time per se because of the schedule. Uh, the shootout's going to be a big factor, and the special teams is going to be a big factor. And and I just think in a normal situation, there's been a number of people try to jumpstart that power play. If everything was going properly, the Leafs should be able to dominate in all those three areas, but it's sketchy, isn't it? It is because, you know, even last year, you go one and five in the shootout. You look at that, you look at the uh, the lineup that they have, that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. You know, it, it, the same reason why we say they shouldn't have lost to Columbus. That lineup shouldn't lose to, uh, you know, Jonas Corposalo in the Columbus net. It just shouldn't, but it did. So there, there are, uh, you know, the, the power play, I mean, finishing sixth overall, I, I, I tend to like uh, last year. I like what, I like what kind of the looks, that, some of the looks they're giving it now. Simmons and Thornton on the same group I think is interesting because I think, you know, one thing I noticed in the blue and white game is if you you accept the idea that Simmons is your net front guy, it's fine. But Thornton parked himself in front of the net too in a few in a few occasions on the power play there. And it, it, either one, you know, you've got Simmons who's hard to move and Thornton's just like a wall there. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I – Morgan Riley, you know, in that spot, I'm, I'm curious to see now, you know, depending how long Miko Lettman's not in the lineup, how long uh, you know, TJ Brody does in that, or how well he does, sorry, in that spot, the second group. But um, when you have the people together that you do in the second, you know, pairing, or sorry, the group, the, um, uh, you know, Tavares and, and Nylander and these guys, it should work for you. And uh, what – you know, it's not like a lot of teams that have that might stack it up a one power play gym and send out the next group and kind of hope it works and then it doesn't. But potential for both. And then the penalty kill, uh, you know, finished in the bottom third of the league last year. Your leading penalty, penalty kill guy last year was Cody Ceci. He's gone. I'm just talking minutes wise. Casper uh, Kapanen will have some minutes heat up, but uh, the minutes that he, he had in the PK. So a lot of potential for improvement there. But like you say, how the adjustments it comes back to what i was saying before the adjustments in game when you're not gonna have a lot of practice time to work on these things and what if there are other things that sheldon keith thinks need priority in the small amount of practice time you have i mean these are these to me these things to me are going to be fascinating to see how they all work out and um having said all that i really hope this is the only time we experience something like this and that things are back to normal october but yeah. it's going to be incumbent on keith to, to uh you know make sure he finds the time for your power play and PK and the shooter thing, I, I don't know what more you can do there. I mean, they, they practiced it a couple times the other night. The two goal scorers are Riley and Lettnick. Like, you know, that just yeah. like, yeah, like, I mean, come on. I mean, you're Matthew, Austin Matthews and Mitch Barner are two of the most defensively gifted players in the game. I guess my point is there, it doesn't really make a hell of a lot of sense that these guys are kept off the scoreboard like they are in these situations and other teams beat the Leafs sort of five out of six last year. So, um, you hope that that's just a blip for them, uh, but we'll have to see. But, uh, man, when the points are so important now, Jim, and you're, every single night is a four-point night, these things can't go to waste. They just can't. No, you can't let uh, bad trends continue. you got to no. get right on that and, and come up with a solution right away. I mean, this is uh, 
uh, you know, I, I guess you can compare it to sort of a lockout shortens. Not really, because, you know, there's there's other issues in terms of fighting off infection and, and you know, floating bubbles yeah. and all of that. I just don't know who it favors, if anybody. I just think it's a like a complete spin of the wheel here. Well, it is, and you, you, you bring up the COVID. Uh, the COVID thing is is going to be a factor. We don't know right now. Player X, Y, and Z on any given team could get this and be missing two or three weeks. Can happen to any team. What if it's Oilers and Connor McDavid and, and Leon Drysaddle? Yeah. You know, uh, here in Toronto, Morgan Riley. You know, uh, Mitch Marner, John Tavares. I mean, you go down the list. Any team you can look at and say, okay, Carey Price in Montreal. Uh, you know. Blake Wheeler, Shifley, Line A in Winnipeg. It, it, it's going to have an impact somewhere. We just don't know where. And again, the teams that manage it the best, and you know, are, I guess lucky enough. I mean, and this is a, this is a bit of a it's a touchy subject because you don't you can't necessarily say necessarily say well teams which teams you know you can't be careless and everything, but you know, in home transmission might be a factor for these guys. I mean, someone else is bringing it into the home, family, whatever it is. Yeah, we don't know. But the X factor is there for all seven, and I guess for that, for that, they're all on an equal playing field. And God knows what's going to happen in the states. I think yeah. it'd be even worse there. So we'll see. You know, right. yeah. Terry, thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. It's always fun and a pleasure to talk to you. Well, you'll be back. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank our guest, Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun for stopping by. I enjoyed that conversation. And Terry is going to be a regular contributor here on Leafs Guy, the podcast. So when we talk again, it'll be Friday. It'll actually be after a game. I mean, we've got all this these possibilities here that we're looking at. So the Leafs schedule is Wednesday at home to Montreal, Friday at home to Ottawa, Saturday in Ottawa, and Monday at home to Winnipeg. So looking forward to doing this on a regular basis. Again, we post on Tuesdays and Fridays. Thanks for bearing with us for episode one. I promise this will only get better as we move along. This is my first attempt at this. So it's uh, it's interesting for me to sort of figure out where the walls are and how far I can push things. So thanks for stopping by. We'll chat again on Friday.